Mark talks about stuff. All this and more on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. Can Doom run it? PC Mag, it is safe to shut down. More money than cents. All this and more coming up on this week's show. Up to date news for out of date tech. Did you enjoy the break, Dave? It didn't seem very long. It's three weeks since we've sat here and recorded one. It doesn't seem very long at all. Christmas shot by. I, I didn't get very much time off work, so I've um, Christmas was uh, was fell on my weekends and New Year fell on my weekends. So I've I've not really had much of a chance. What about you? Does it feel like a long time for you? It feel like it just flew by actually, but I did enjoy watching the yeah. outtakes. I must say, um, I did, and I've of course a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, and of course, we have Mark with us. Hi, Mark. Hello. Mark from Mark Fixes Stuff. If you're not familiar with his channel, do check it out. We'll chat to more, uh, Mark more in a, in a second. Um, Dave, what were you up to over the over the holidays? Well, I don't know if people have heard of it, but there's something called Dwarf Fortress, which is it kind of has a, a <laughs> roguelike game roots, and it's horribly addictive. Um, it's had a proper Steam release, so they've they've brushed. It's been in development for twenty years or something, and they've brushed it up, and they've got a Steam release with a lot of things finally kind of crystallized in the game. So addictive. I've been watching people. I've been watching people on YouTube when I when I don't have a chance to play it, but oh, it's great. Um, I, I'm so addicted to it. Um, yeah, that's be, that's been me. Well, I have been not doing very much. No. Um... Had a nice Christmas, came back, and I've been, well, I don't really play games so much, but I've been taking bits and bobs that were lost in my fire, and I stuck them in a garage, all disgusting and stinky, and I've been going through them to see if they can be rescued in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, dirty hands, really. So it's been a, a revelation. Yeah, I should probably explain to people who don't know who Mark is, who he is and why he's here. Mark is, um, he's been on YouTube for years now. He must have been on YouTube, what, 10 years now? Something like that. Coming yeah. up for that? Yeah, Long, longer yeah. than they care to think. And um, you're, you're mainly, I think I've seen most of what you've done in Spectrum. Yeah, I started off on Spectrum, but um, I'm, yeah. I'm not really particularly a Spectrum channel, but yeah. yeah no, yeah, you, you, do lot, you do a lot of stuff, Spectrum, consoles, yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. And um, about... Maybe eighteen months ago now. Um, yeah, fourteen. Yeah, fourteen months. Fourteen months. Seventeenth um, of October. A, yeah, wow. you probably remember that date for a while. Though, I think um, <laughs> there was a a fire, which was not, despite the rumours, caused by smart meters. And <laughs> there was a fire, and Mark's entire house was burnt down. Um, it was destroyed. It was razed to the ground, quite literally. Which is uh, yeah, not, not something I recommend to all the uh, viewers and listeners at home. To be perfectly honest, you had a huge collection of stuff all lost. Um, you've made yep. some videos actually on the damage. It's quite uh, extensive. However, you were able to claim it on the insurance, most of it, uh, the house at least. But your retro collection difficult to insure, mm, and absolutely. the community, thankfully, um, a few people put their hands in their pockets, helped you out a bit, and you've managed to get back to the stage now where behind you, you have lots of stuff. You've now yes. just got 
just just finished, I think, setting up the whole uh, Mark Fixie stuff um, studio workshop. There's, there's a, a workshop bench and the filming bench here behind me. Um, I've got to the point where it's all together, but I'm now at the point where I'm working with it and I'm finding maybe I need to tweak it, move it around, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I'm so grateful to everybody who helped me because they've literally helped me bounce back. And I wouldn't be back if it wasn't for the people who had uh, rallied around me. Well, I've been I've been watching it. I've been watching you since before you set fire to your house. Uh, it wasn't arson, by the way. Um, <laughs> I've been watching you since then. And I've been watching you bring it all back together. I think you're now at the point where you're about to hit the ground running and start to to oh. really churn out a lot of projects you've been waiting to do. Yeah, it's funny, um, but through the whole process, I mean, before before the house went, I was just popping out videos, but now there's been such a big thing that's happened, everybody helping me and getting the whole house put back together and getting ready to film. It's almost like I've got performance anxiety sometimes. <laughs> mm. I look at all the things that I've got to do and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Can I do this video without making sure Johnny Depp's available? You know, <laughs> can I do this video without getting the dancing girls in? And then sometimes I think, oh, just stuff it, just start filming, edit yeah. out the bad bits. That's the way I used to do it. So, yeah, I'm kind of getting back into the swing of that right now. So, yes. uh, yeah, more stuff to come, more stinky stuff. I was going to say, even like the simple stuff you've been doing uh, lately, where, you know, some of the machines that have uh, been raised out of the fire, mm. just plug it in and see if it works. I find that kind of stuff fascinating. I love It's kind I love of seeing... voyeuristic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Is it going to work, isn't it? And Yeah. And just the idea of machines sort of waking themselves up without necessarily the need for repair is quite amusing as well. So, yeah, cool. I like to think that this is the start of Skynet. So we're <laughs> <laughs> coming back to life and punishing humanity for what happened. <laughs> what have you been up to, Chris? Um, well, I didn't have access to this room for much of the break, so I just had to sit in a different room and just drink. Um, no. Yes, actually. Um, but when I did have access, because this room doubles as a spare room, I think I've uh, mentioned that before. But when I did get access to it again, there was this one bizarre afternoon that I, I actually really enjoyed it. I just sat in here, big screen was playing nothing but 90s, 80s and 90s music videos. And I was getting to know even more the Atari 2600. It's only the junior, but I was having great fun with it. Uh, mainly River Raid that one of my mates gave me for free. Um, but just, oh, yeah. even though I've got the flashback, great game. you know, and I, and I, I will forever defend all forms of emulation because if that's your only avenue then there's nothing wrong mm. with that but there's just something so special about thunking in the cartridge and you know i just do it go oh, i'll do this for 10 minutes and before you know it an hour's gone and you're just mm. you know how far up river road can i get and that's all you're doing and, it, and it's it's still just fun um speaking of atari uh, it's not officially one of our stories this week but obviously there's a lot of chatter coming out of what atari are going to do next um in collaboration with my arcade so there's a lot of talk about a handheld a mini arcade and also the game station plus which is kind of a new console by the look of it that we think we'll play 7,800 games as well as 2,600 games. Um, but at the moment, it's a lot of renders. It's a lot of speculation, although it is now at least an official announcement. I think, um, I mean, two minds about it. Mm. On the one hand, you've got Atari with their crypto gambling hotels mm. and the VCS <laughs> that didn't quite work out right. Mm. And on the other hand, the the 50th anniversary, despite... Um, erasing the ST out of out of uh, history. The 50th anniversary <laughs> thing, everybody says that's great. So yeah. 
the, 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 there's some talent there, but there's also there's a propensity to be an absolute shamble. So I don't know what's going to come oh. from them. Yeah, we'll mm. see what they do. I'm hoping the, the the Game Station Plus console is at least a console with preloaded games rather than, say, a gateway to a subscription service. That would be my worst nightmare. Um, we'll, we'll see. You know, I don't, And that's why I don't want to cover it as a story this week because I want more details. I don't want speculation. I'd rather actually know what it actually is um, rather than make it up as we go. So, yeah. Um, shall we move on? Yeah. Thank you to Paul Barrett for that fantastic jingle. It has been three weeks since we last recorded an episode, and there's been sad news about uh, people in the industry passing. Um, Archer McLean uh, passed at the age of 60. Um, Drop Zone, IK Plus, Jimmy White Snooker, uh, Archer McLean's pool. Um, huge big uh, name in the UK scene. He didn't make that many games, but every game he made was wonderful. Uh, IK Plus is probably the one that, that, that I remember most. Did you guys play uh, Archer McLean games? You must have done. I played IK Plus and Jimmy White Snooker and Paul. Uh, those are the ones that, yeah, so yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, those games were, you know, on people's floppies um, all, all over the country and, mm-hmm. you know, even if it was scribbled on a floppy that you bought from WH Smith and copied from a mate in a playground, mm. you knew those games. So, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely yeah. massive, massive impact on gaming for me, particularly. Yeah. Um, another one is, is Roger Keane uh, from Motor Neurone Disease. Um, yeah. And it must have been all the much harder for him after losing his partner, Oliver yeah. Frey, in August last year. Uh, Roger Keane co-founded Newsfield Productions in the 80s alongside Roger, so alongside Oliver and Franco Frey. They published Zap, Crash, and Amtics. So if you had an 8-bit machine in the UK in the 80s, you must have seen their work. Um, Very sad, both of them, to to leave together. Um, And finally, Sim Wong-Hu, the founder of Creative Labs. Uh, The Sound Blaster changed PC gaming forever, I think, without the Sound Blaster. if he didn't have that, the PC might not have might not have taken on gaming, mm. and their um, creative Zen MP3 players were ripped off by Apple, and they took them to court for a hundred million. So that's what that's that's, that's why I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> um, yeah. So they're famous for a reason, and their legacy will live on. So maybe take the time to play some IK Plus and press T for trousers. Um, yeah, read an old copy of Zap or get that DOS PC up and running, and remember what they've done. And of course, we're missing Neil. Uh, Neil is not here this week. He will be back next week. He uh, is in Ireland. He's in the Emerald Isle. He is over because he has managed to trick his wife into going to Amiga Ireland on their honeymoon. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't really. I don't really think he's pulled the wool over her eyes. I think. Um, I, I. I. I think they wanted to go there anyway. Um, Neil, uh, as I'm sure most of you know got married last year and he, he put off the honeymoon until now so he's now going all across to ireland um they're having a week there and at the end of the week friday and saturday he'll be going to amiga ireland i don't know that he's going to do anything for uh the channel on it i'm sure he'll talk about it but i don't know that he's going to be recording any any footage or anything i think that might be a step far but he will be back next week after his honeymoon and hopefully he'll be still be married 
We've all been there, okay? You're in the middle of a round of doom and suddenly you find yourself with the need to add up some numbers. All the time. Leave... <laughs> all the time Me too. Happens. Me too. Every, every time, in fact. <laughs> well, you know, do you leave the game to do your maths? Hell no, you know. Uh, well, worry no more because now you can slay the hordes of hell and do basic maths at the same time. It's not a calculator running Doom, because you know we wouldn't cover that. Well, we might. Um, no, well, we this have is, covered it. We probably have covered it, yeah. But no, this is had. this is Doom. <laughs> I'm sure we have, actually. But this is Doom running a calculator or an adding machine, to be more accurate. It's all thanks to coder slash modder Danny Spencer, who has taken it upon himself, uh, and, he, and he's done this by creating... Uh, NAND gate logic within Doom using nothing but enemies, rooms, switches, doors, and other in-game elements. So there's no extra, you know, code mod, as it were. And by doing this, he's created a giant in-game adding machine. There's a, a, a series of switches that you use to select the numbers you want to calculate, and then the results are displayed in the distance using a ton of pinky demons. It's it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And it's pointless, right? So yeah. eternal maths. Eternal maths, for a start, I guess, completes the depiction of hell uh, for some, myself included. Um, mm. But that's okay, you know, because you can actually even shoot the pinkies once you've finished your maths homework. What do you guys make of this? Um, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> one day there will be nothing else left to do with Doom. Nowhere to put it, nothing else to put in it. We've had... Hexen or is it heretic? Heretic running inside. It must. It, yeah, running inside Doom. We've had Doom running inside Doom. Um, we've had Doom running on absolutely everything: pregnancy tests, keyboards, fridges, calculators. <laughs> There's not. There can't be much left. There really can't Practice. be much left. But that, that's almost a challenge now for people to submit a new Doom thing that we hadn't come for a new angle. Mm. But. Can you bring this into if you if you're allowed to bring a calculator into exams? Can you bring this into an exam with you? Do you think? I, I've never once seen on the rules that you're not allowed to bring Doom into an exam. So no, if no. it's a calculator, that would be illegal. That would be, yeah. be unfair, wouldn't it? You can can yeah. bring Doom in, you know. Yeah. And, and people have run Doom on all kinds of things, like including calculators, as you say. But will there ever be a calculator inside Doom that can run Doom on a calculator <laughs> inside Doom? To the point where you've got Leonardo DiCaprio doing his accounts. It's like Doomception or, or something like that. Um, I suppose it is a bit like um, all those people who make those working mechanisms in Minecraft. Um, I yeah, think it is. Like, almost like Turing um, past machines, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, added Archduke to hell. The question for me is how do you even make monsters do NAND gate logic? I, I cannot get my tiny lizard brain around that. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> and, you know, and how do you come up with an idea like that anyway? You're sitting in the bath, you go, oh, no, I'm going to make a calculator inside Doom. <laughs> it's it so It does true. look awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. And funny enough, a lot of the stories covering this are likening it to the work that's done in Minecraft. Um, but apparently yeah. it's harder to do this kind of thing in Doom than it is in Minecraft, so... This is quite an yeah. achievement. You would think so, because Minecraft meant you're meant to be doing it in Minecraft. It was designed yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not quite, but, but kind of, yeah. My I eldest uh, made a chicken launcher in Minecraft. Um, <laughs> but she made it so it launched the chickens into a pen, and then they were slammed by blocks to make chicken legs. 
It was absolutely the most worrying thing I've ever seen her do, but also the most awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one to be watched, that, your daughter. I, I couldn't get into Minecraft. I mean, it, it literally is Lego on the computer. I can see the appeal um, with infinitely right. more possibilities. And my, my kids loved it as, as kids, mm. you know, when they were like eight, nine, ten. And it's one that they continue to go back to now that they're, you know, well, they're, well, they're now 22. Um, yeah. I, I I did play it briefly. I played it. I mean, uh, everyone must have had a look and thought how amazing the actual the game is. Mm. But mm. I played it on a server with a, with two or three friends. I think maybe five or six of everything in total. And um, it was heavily modded with different kind of realms added on and a lot lot more yeah. difficulty. And mm. I think that's where it the kind of the grouping up for your own survival kind of thing and making oh, a. Oh a raid into the other realm, the fairy realm, whatever it was, and trying to get stuff back and these harder parts. That, that's what I enjoyed of it. I think the basic game for me is it, it doesn't hold that much appeal because, well, at least when I played it, maybe it's a lot more advanced now, but at least when I played it, it, w- it was relatively simple. And once you had diamond armor, it was just really Lego. Oh, yeah. diamond armor's old hat now. There's all sorts of things now. <laughs> I can't even tell you what they are, but I know I mentioned diamond armor and I got an eye roll. So, <laughs> God, I was thinking they know about Minecraft. <laughs> They're yeah. still talking about diamond armor. Actually, and this will show how long, it, uh, for those that know Minecraft, how long ago it was that I did have a stab with my boys because um, we played a Hunger Games mod mm. for it, which was actually quite good fun. It was like a. Nice. Yeah, an obscure game of hide and seek, essentially with bows and arrows and different weapons Lovely. and stuff. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, going back to Doom as an adding machine, uh, the story in the subreddit was shared with us by Starcade2084, uh, and there's links to the details on Hackaday, uh, Hackday in uh, an excellent article by Jenny List, which unpacks the details, um, including you can actually download the map as well. Uh, for, for you know uh, trying out yourself within doom there's a video link in the story too you can see on on danny's own channel uh, so you can see danny's doom adding machine in action there and as always it doesn't matter if there's a point to it or not it's it's just fun and if someone has the time on their hands and the skill to make this possible then great you know but for me it's not so much that it's a calculator in doom that's cool it's it's how it does it and i don't mean that technically i know a lot of people would be interested in that the logic of it i actually mean visually you know you've got a punt a bunch of pinkies spawning as numbers in the distance and then uh, basically as a way to represent the calculator display and it's just awesome and it's complete with all the echoed grunts um, you know as they're running around within their very limited space to form the number and of course the ability to shoot them afterwards PC mag shutdown. Now, I know that you like to read a magazine, Chris, just like me. And I think, Mark, you can read. Just about. Um, we're, f- we're familiar with the gaming mags like ST Amiga Format, Zap, Amtix, the one, etc. in the UK. I'm sure there was, a, I, I don't know the equivalents um, overseas, but there was also the hardware mags, and I like those as well. I always felt there were more value for money. They were always two or three times as thick uh, as the gaming mags. Um, and the best, in my opinion, is Byte. It's probably the oldest as well. Byte have a, a massive library, and they covered everything. They weren't just uh, on one uh, particular uh, infrastructure. Um, but maybe second to Byte, 
uh, is the American magazine for the IBM PC compatible PC magazine, uh, which was known as PC Mag. We did get a UK edition, but it didn't quite catch on to the same degree over here as it was. Um, it, we had it over here, I think, 92 to 2001. I do remember it on the logo, but I don't remember buying it. Mm. Uh, over in the US, though, it was a mighty beast of a mag uh, running in a physical format from 1982 to 2009. And for most of that period, it was bi-monthly. Before it went bi-monthly, it was 800 pages. And when it did go bi-monthly, it was still 400 pages per mag every two weeks. So I don't know how someone could read that, um, but it's a lot of value for your money. In 2009, uh, they went digital only, and they have sadly announced, thanks to the, sto the story submitted by Apollo, uh, that they are stopping producing a magazine format and they're going to just be a website. Um, now, I think the world of magazines has gone through a bit of an evolution over the years. We've all been through the, the peak popular times of them where mm. the magazine was your link to what was happening with things apart from your friends, and your friends mostly got it from magazines as well. Um, these days we've got the internet, we've got amazing podcasts and our podcast, and we've got YouTube channels, but uh, magazines were where we got the link back then. So there's been an evolution there. They were mostly supported by... Um, by advertisers when that faded away they turned to websites and as it seems that most people won't pay subscriptions for things these days I think the websites aren't what they used to be either um, so what replaced magazines isn't what it used to be a lot of clickbait riddles with ads and product placement embedded videos and I really want to go back to a time when a magazine was a magazine in fact my new year resolution this year one of my new year resolutions is I've not got around to it at all, haven't even started, is to get myself an RSS feed and reader set up, hopefully across different things, so like my phone and my tablet and so on, so that I can enjoy blogs in a better way than clicking through Reddit news and websites and that kind of a low attention span stuff. Mm. So hopefully I can get that done and try and turn it into a bit of a magazine. And it's also a nice segue into our sponsor. Uh, we are sponsored by Pixel Addict Magazine. It's a new but old magazine, uh, old style magazine, available monthly as a PDF, but also as a physical edition, mail order, or in news agents worldwide. Uh, Pixel Addict is um, just like the magazines we used to get in the 80s and 90s. Um, the current edition has a, a section on Action Man, which would, have which would have pleased previous guest, Mr. Lurch. And I've also mentioned the big issue uh, the big uh, cover story in this issue, which is the huge big article on adventures, which isn't to be missed. Have you had a look at this one, Chris? I have. I don't have the physical copy in my hands because I'm still eagerly, you know, waiting for that phone call from my local news agent to see that they've got my um, <laughs> order in. But I've had a quick look at a at a, a, a digital uh, version, and in just the opening pages, what what I love about a magazine like this, same as when you're on YouTube, whatever, but you see the things from your past. And it is just such a nostalgia hit. So on, on page six um, of the latest issue of, of uh, Pixel Addict, you've got the Tomitronic 3D game. You know, remember the ones that you held up to your eyes and <laughs> pressed the buttons? Ooh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. We had two of those in our family, and it was the red one, which was a tank one my sister had. That's on page six. Also on page six, Spectrum Plus 3. No secret that I had one of them and have another one now. Um, and then on page eight, there's a Technic Lego kit. So there's a, a few little bits about Lego, and there's a Technic Lego kit. And it's, again, you see it and you go, how did I forget that kit? I had that exact kit. Yeah. And it's just 
brings again brings all those memories back. And that's before you even start reading the commentary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's yeah. such a good thing to have in your hand. Um, yeah. yeah. So thank you very much for sponsoring us, Pixel Addict. Um, you can go to the website, which has just escaped my mind, and I'm not going to read out the wrong website, so I'm going to um, quickly check. It's pixel.addict.media is the website. Um, so go there, have a look around, subscribe, buy individual issues, whatever you want to do. One day I will have it in the show notes so that I don't look like an idiot when I'm doing this section. I was going to say, we're the best sponsor slot, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I don't actually have the magazine and we can't remember the website address, but let's carry on. <laughs> um, going back to PC Mag and its demise, despite that happening, I'm finding my attention span is terrible these days and it's mostly my own fault. Um, I don't think the magazines are finished as a format. I think for now... We have the paper ones, and I think in time we'll maybe have handheld e-ink displays that are colour and A4 size and fairly durable. Um, Mark, do you miss magazines? You know, I do. I mean, I remember the late 80s and early 90s. I'd go around my grandmother's, and um, she was wheelchair-bound, so I'd push her up the newsagent. She'd get her bits and bobs, and she'd buy me a magazine, something like, I don't know, Meme Machines or something multi-format because I was still clinging on to the spectrum at that time. But I like to look at all the other games and occasionally you'd see a Spectrum title laterally um, being pushed in there. But I do miss just, you know, sitting there and just flicking through and it's the physicality. And I know it sounds like, you know, blind nostalgia, but that, that's what I remember. And my children won't remember that because they didn't have it. Um, and like you were saying, I mean, paper magazines, they really cut through the noise of multimedia um where everything's vying for your attention you know because that's where the money is um but i can understand why pc mag have shut down because the reach of paper media um and circulation has, has just dropped through the floor so you know advertisers are going online where the eyeballs are um but like you say as well i think that print media hasn't had its day i think it's just changed like we dropped vinyl records um, and everybody went to MP3. Um, I think people have come back to vinyl records for that experience, that disconnected whole experience. And I think that's why you see things like, for example, Pixel Addict magazine is an experience. They're selling the experience of having the magazine that you can read free from those distractions rather than you know being um, a syndicated disperser of information which the pc mag web uh, website will be now yeah i think when you when you pick up a magazine and you read the article in the magazine more or less that's what they want you to do is to read the article these days when you go to a website more or yeah. less what they want you to do is click on the sponsor go somewhere else mm. do something else so true so, true. so yeah what do you think Chris? The ads. Yeah. Um, what do I feel? I, I definitely prefer physical to digital on the topic of ma magazines. Um, uh, but many magazines are still going. Edge springs to mind, so that's a technology magazine, and that doesn't seem to sure. have, have threatened to, to fall off its perch. But also, if you look at other areas of uh, magazines, you know, other interest areas, I don't see them dying at all. Um, so like car magazines, there's there's heaps of them still out there. And it doesn't matter what type of cars you're into, you know, whether it's American Muscle or the Japanese modding scene 
or um, you know, classic cars, whatever. There's tons of magazines on the shelf across mm. that. Um, same with model railways, crafting. I bought the Wifer craft magazine. It was actually as a joke for Christmas. I won't bore you with the story. But actually, apparently, that was a really good gift because it had some oh. free giveaways on the front that were apparently really useful. So, yeah, even crafting aviation magazines. Ton of, yeah. I did. Um, but there's a, there's a ton of aviation magazines on the shelf. So if, if you do, you know, take the time to walk into a, a shop because they do still oh. exist and have a look at the magazine shelves, there's tons, you know, still available. Um, that said, it's still nice to see magazines, if they do choose to fall on their sword, survived by online alternatives. Um, and in some cases, that may be less official than others. And one that springs to mind is PC Zone. So PC Zone, one of my favorite PC gaming magazines back in the day, it was always a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little bit really close to the edge with their yeah. humor. Yeah, you'd probably really like it, Mark. Um, <laughs> and, and one of the main reasons I loved it was because actually the CD-ROM discs, uh, the cover discs, they were jam-packed full of goodies. Um, in, so useful. Including they were so good, including things like source code for Quake. Um, so, sorry, not for Quake specifically, but for Quake mods, mods um, you know, to give yeah. you spe- extra weapons and stuff. But they give you the source code so that you could go on and make your own uh, and stuff like that. Really cool. Um, yeah, so I, I just like seeing them survive. But personally, I don't I don't understand why they choose to just stop print. Oh, obviously, there would have been some research involved, some numbers and a discussion around a boardroom table. But mm. I don't know. There's still a play for it, clearly. I wonder if the, the the gaming and PC market is is so reliant on adverts that, that when the adverts go, the magazine has to stop because that that was what wow. stopped Byte. Byte shut down because the ad, the advertisers left. Mm, um, exactly these it. other magazines, uh, they they uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they are supported by adverts for for, for railway stuff. I, I don't know and aviation stuff. I don't know, but. Um, Something I, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but I wanted a good way of reading PDF magazines, and a tablet just wasn't doing it for me. So I got myself an all-in-one twenty-four inch Chrome-based thing, which is basically it's a monitor with a weak PC built in the back of it, and it's a touchscreen. So I've got this twenty-four inch monitor, which happens to be roughly the size of an opened-up magazine. And I can sit and I can read old PDF magazines and flick through them with my finger. And it, it, it's not as good, but it's really not far away from it. You can clearly see them. It's quite good. Do you get funny looks when you walk in the bathroom with that, though? <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's the, that's the problem. The problem is it's it's in a specific part of my house and I need to sit there to read a magazine. I can't take it to, I can't take it out to the back to the decking if it, on the one or two days or a year where it's dry in Scotland. Um, but I have to sit and read it there. But it's the nearest thing I'll get. I find I mentioned earlier on talking about e-ink. I like e-ink. If we can get an A4 size color e-ink thing, we can read magazines oh. on that. That might, that might change things. Um, but yeah, I do like reading magazines that way. I, it's not quite as good, but it, it's not far away from it. Um, so PC Mag has not closed. Uh, you can still go to PCMag.com, but it's not in a it's not in a, a start to finish magazine format. It's um, it's more like a, a a technology news website now. Um, but still have a go and see what you think of it. What's the most expensive game you've purchased and why, guys? And you don't need to tell me how much, just what it is and why you wanted it so badly. Well, for me. Um, 
I had a full set of Ultima, apart from one, two, and three, the early ones. And I had the, I had the compilation. I mean, the compilation came out in the 80s, but I decided one day to get them. So I bought, in, in the same week, Ultima 1, Ultima 2, and Ultima 3. They're not in great shape because they're so old. Mm. Um, they're really not cheap at all, but I wanted yeah. to have them. So that's the most expensive things I've got. And I'm not going to tell you how much I spent on them because <laughs> I, I haven't looked back since I bought them and I don't want to know. He sold the Jag. Uh, uh, <laughs> what about uh, yourself, Mark? Uh, uh. Well, funnily enough, I, I don't collect games, but that's not to say that I haven't had a few sort of um, rare titles pass through my hands in sort of bundles and, and, and bits and bobs like that. Um, for me, I think, well, I didn't purchase it, but, um, well, I did, but it's not the point of the question, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, there's a game called Golden Axe Warrior on the, the Master System. And someone offered it to me for 20 quid. It w wasn't working. Um, and a quick clean, and it worked. Um, Contact cleaner. Yeah, it's not a great game. <laughs> Magic. It's really not. It's got horrible controls. It's an obvious, obvious Zelda ripoff based in mm. the Golden Axe universe. And it's repetitive and ugly and dull. And it goes for seriously stupid amounts of money. Um, right. on eBay, you know, sometimes a, a good condition one will go for like 220 quid or yeah, if it's got the manual and it's crisp and that, and it's just because completists, they want to complete their master system set, I think but that being said, people are also speed running it on YouTube and <laughs> it baffles me, if I'm honest, <laughs> um, for me computer games are about getting a broken computer and making it work so it can play games for other people a lot of the time um, but yeah, that, that would be my one. So what happened with it? Did you throw it on the fire with all the other stuff you burnt? Oh, that was unfortunately, uh, lost. Yes, that was lost. Oh. Along with my, uh, Conker's bad fur day as well. <laughs> the N64. I would have planned but, it better. I would have taken the valuable stuff away. Oh, well, dear. you know, if I was looking to commit a crime that way, I would have done that. So... I think that's yeah, I guess that's big, proof that it was ticking the honest. box for uh, <laughs> my innocence, as it were. Oh, I blame that smart meter. Oh, that smart meter. God, dear. Mark doesn't have smart meters. He doesn't have oh. smart meters. And for a while, someone was adding comments to his videos as if it was the smart meter that did it. And it, yeah. no amount of persuasion made them go away. Are you serious? <laughs> Not good, not good. All right, well, in terms of games for me, I mean, I really haven't spent much on any one particular title. Shadow of the Beast 1 and 2 long box versions would be my most expensive in my collection at the moment, I think, and they weren't so expensive that they included the T-shirts. They are non-T-shirt versions, so not big money, but I think that's the most I've paid on on any particular single title, um, mainly because I haven't yet got really back into collecting Atari Jaguar games, which are ridiculously expensive right now. But, um, you know, I'll soon I'll soon enjoy that pain. I was going to say, I remember when Jaguar games, you couldn't give them away. Exactly. Yeah. They Whereas were now, so cheap. You know? If you want them box complete with the inlays, yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to cough up some serious cash. Do you feel as if you're circling a drain and you're about to fall in and spend lots of money collecting the Jaguar stuff, Chris? No. Um, and I know people that have fallen into that because they want to complete the set. Because in terms of numbers, it's quite a doable thing. 
depending on how much cash you've got access to, of course. Um, whereas for me, I will try and control it using my nostalgia, which is the, the core of my collection anyway. Um, and I only had Cybermorph, Doom, and AVP. So that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to, there's another couple of titles that I wouldn't mind adding to that. But the price of those titles has now gone skyrocketing, skyrocketing again, <laughs> just because I've named them. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm get my hands Can on you those. get a multi-cart? You can. Yes, you can. But do you know what? A, it stopped being made, so that itself is hard to get hold of. And that's almost as expensive as trying to collect, say, I don't know, five, oh. uh, maybe not five, four games, I would say. It's, it's really gone up in value, the multi-cart. Because, of course, you know, you buy that, you don't need to buy anything else. Um, well, but Re- Retro HQ have the um, Jaguar GD. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I think that's the one I was looking at. Isn't it like £400 or something? Oh, I don't think it's quite that expensive. Uh, maybe sure I was looking at a different one then. The one, I know the one I was looking at, which is one everybody recommended, it, the guy that was making them had stopped production, so the price had skyrocketed on them. Ah, um, yeah, that's why, because of the CPLD shortage. But, right. Um, I think he's redesigned uh, it. Now. Oh, okay. Well, maybe give it, oh, so give, maybe give I can get into that. Chris. Well, because, give yeah, because then I can, I can box collect the ones I really want from my past and then just play all yeah. the rest via a multi-cart. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Using legal backups, obviously. Anyway, but my reason for purchasing Shadow the Beast 1 and 2, going back to those, is because I like the box art. I like the box. I, uh, I actually like the games. I know they're not everybody's favorite. Um, and I've got nostalgia attached to them. I'm not buying these games just because they're rare. Okay, Expensive sometimes means that the games aren't actually that good. Um, and that's that's why they're rare, which is why they're expensive. Do you know what I mean? Because they didn't sell tons of copies, so there's less copies out there, and um, supply and demand kicks in. And this is the point of a story shared with us by Dr. Local on the subreddit. Uh, the story is on destructoid.com and is penned by Zoe Handley, and it's about eight expensive video games that you actually don't want to play. It's, it's, it's quite an amusing article. Um, yeah, I think you'll enjoy her humor, actually, Mark. Um, yeah, it's good. Which, I've read it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's so good. And so basically, Zoe unpacks her reasons why each uh, game, each of these rare games is so bad, whilst exploring the absurdity of fear of missing out, as people throw literally tens of thousands of dollars at games that were terrible. Um, I'm not going to unpack the full list, as I, I want people to obviously go and read the article. That's only fair. But it does include games like Eli's Ladder, which is a 1982 2600 game, which is basically maths homework. Um, Neurodancer 1994 on the 3DO, which is a soft adult uh, full motion video game. The King James Bible for the Game Boy. Yep, you could have bought that back in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> and, it sounded funny to us for the Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, for the Game Boy. <laughs> it makes sense to have a text based for, you know, an electronic version of is a big book. Is it up to jump or is it button B? But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, and then, well, speaking of jumping, um, Bronchi, the uh, Bronchiosaurus. Uh, so 1994, this came out allegedly on the SNES. It's a platformer. I actually looked at some video footage of this game, and it actually it looks like a semi-decent platformer. Um, but it's based on a, a Bronchiosaurus with asthma. Uh, pres- presumably a play on Brachiosaurus with bronchi- uh, uh, bronchitis. Who knows oh where goodness. that name comes from? But yeah, essentially, <laughs> it's a platformer. You're a dinosaur, but you've got to manage your breathing <laughs> because of your, your condition. Um, and that's fun. Now, to be fair to that one, it's an edgy 
entertainment title so it's meant to be educational so when you interact with different characters they explain what's going on inside your lungs and all of that kind of thing right so it does have a purpose but again not huge numbers hence rare not a great Mm. game regardless it's expensive okay bloody fortune yeah yeah so Zoe, Zoe doesn't list all the prices, talking about costing a fortune. She doesn't list all the prices, but she certainly touches on some. Um, are you familiar with any of these games, guys? Or actually, are there any others that fall into this category of ridiculously expensive but terrible games? Well, I wasn't familiar with any of these games. I hadn't heard of any of them until I read the article. It is a good read. It's a good read for fun. Not to find out about these particular games from a I must find out about this game thing, just for a laugh. Um, but there's plenty of games that fall into this category, maybe not as egregiously as the ones in the article, but as someone who collects games, I sometimes get conflicted in these. Um, There's games that tend to be expensive, and they're expensive for a reason. Um, Usually it means that nobody bought it. Now, that sometimes means that everyone pirated it. Uh, If you look at the price of Amiga-exclusive games in particular, they're notoriously expensive because if you had the Amiga, you probably had it, certainly in latter days, but you probably had it because you wanted to be a pirate. Um, But mostly if it means that nobody bought it, then it means it's rotten, but not always. Sometimes they're uncovered as a hidden gem afterwards. Not very often people want to play it, but more often it's because the later games in the franchise really caught on. There's two fantastic examples. Fallout and Elder Scrolls, for example, they both came out with really good games. Um, Elder Scrolls perhaps hasn't hasn't aged too well um, because they were trying to do open world and the technology's moved on a bit. Um, But the the first two Fallout games are great. Um, But it was the later games, Fallout 3 and Oblivion and later, that were staggeringly popular, just massive, massive games. So what it meant that people who loved, who, who joined at the kind of Fallout 3 stage or joined at the Oblivion stage, or even later at Skyrim or Fallout 4, they want to own these older games and there's just there's, there's just so few of them available, so the price goes sky high. Um, the other ones that I, I, I talk about I talked about earlier is Ultima. So the Ultima series started when gaming was started. Uh, Akalabeth and Ultima 1, uh, or just Ultima as it was called, started when gaming was tiny. And Richard Garrett was producing them himself in a in a bag, and it's just a Ziploc bag, and sell them in shops like that. And then it, it moved on to box versions. In fact, Ultima 1, the box version I've got there, is Ultima 1 rather than Ultima. It, it was a re-release, this one. Um, but Ultima 4 it's when it really started to get particular Ultima 3, Ultima 4 particularly popular and then by Ultima 7 they got progressively more popular as it went on. Ultima 7 was a massive game. So as people joined the franchise later they looked back at the other ones and they wanted them and that drives, it pushes the price up um, and there's all Chris touched on completion as well, just the idea of having a complete set and I wish I could say don't go buying the expensive older ones, but given that I'm sitting in front of a monument to me doing exactly that behind me, then I can't be a hypocrite and say it. Would um, ET for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred count? But the, in particular, particularly the ones that they dug up. Now I'm not mm. going to jump on the bandwagon and say it's the worst game ever. It was. 
probably one of the biggest financial disasters ever. It's not actually yeah. a terrible game. It's just not a great game. But I wonder, because some of those ones that were covered in the clay from the desert actually went for quite a bit of bit They of dug money. them up. Yeah, they, they did. did. There's yeah. a whole thing did, on I YouTube. I didn't know that. I, I, I'll send you a I, link, I, Dave. I'll send you a link. I, I thought <laughs> a documentary. I, I, I yeah. thought the, the whole thing about they were buried in the desert was a bit of a an urban myth, and we wasn't sure if it was true or not. But clearly, they were. I they thought it was an urban desert. myth. Somebody's... They found them, yeah. Yeah, they found them. The, the, the bit that was really a myth that it was only E.T. No, they did really find them. It wasn't that it was only E.T. It was a bunch of stuff that Atari needed yeah. to offload, and they just put it in landfill. Because yeah. I, I know the Fulton brothers talked about it. Um, they, they run a podcast, um, Into the Vertical Blank, they're big Atari fans, and they talked about what really happened when there was the crash in North America and how low the prices went. So I guess it all fits in. There must have mm, just been a point where it wasn't worth selling them. It was literally cheaper to pay to bury them in the desert than it was to ship them to sh shops and not sell them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't just um, Atari carts. Uh, sorry, it wasn't just um, ET carts that Atari buried. It was There was all sorts of excess stock in there. Um, and obviously, people who bought those on a certain auction site weren't buying them because they were ET or, or Gravatar or anything like that. They were, mm. they were buying them because they were linked to the documentary. Yeah, it's a nice little piece of history, especially when you you, you factor in the, the fact that people thought, well, it was an urban legend and it was bubbling around in the, in the gaming consciousness for so long. So, yeah, I wonder if that would fall into that category. Maybe not because it's more of a collectible, but I'll tell you the one that I, I'm going to say here, and it doesn't fit again, and I'm, I'm quite terrible at this, so sorry for the listeners and viewers out there, but I'm just going to say... Rise of the Robots on the CD32. It's not <laughs> It's not dreadfully expensive. It goes for about 20 quid on eBay, but at any price, it's just too much. It's too much for that game. You know, and I keep thinking, oh, it can't be that bad. And then I load it up again. I go, this is dreadful. This is the worst <laughs> game I think that I've ever... I've ever experienced, <laughs> you know, even with the Brian May soundtrack, and I'm a massive Queen fan. I just sit there, I think, oh my goodness. You mean the two off. bars? Yeah. <laughs> or two chords, sorry, not even bars. Yeah. Yeah, it, may, it well, makes Starfleet look like a rock opera. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing with Rise of the Robots is that you usually had, if you look at rotten games, they were just kind of shovelware that was put out oh. on spectrum and amstrad tapes like super yep. grand and stuff like that L low amount of money went in mm. didn't really get anywhere yeah. had them and bought them easily to mock them or you had lazy arcade ports or lazy movie tie-ins i mean the, the robocop and batman are famous because the movie tie-ins that were actually good and yeah, that's Highlander. why they're famous because most were rotten highlander yeah. is actually unplayable it is, is it? actually documentedly unplayable. They didn't care. Yeah. Highlander, they, didn't care. they could have they just, just reskinned Barbarian and it would have been epic. Yeah, no. It was ah, a, good this, point. They could have done. Just give me a Highlander made, version of Barbarian, I'd be in. Would have made more sense, really. <laughs> yeah. But right, Rise of the Robots, I think, is special because Rise of the Robots wasn't based on any existing franchise. It wasn't mm. a movie tie-in. It wasn't a coin-op tie-in. It was released. We had uh, we had Ross the Robots on here as a guest, and Neil 
a couple of months before that had him on the RMC talking through all the, the various different issues. Rise of the Robots was on every platform that was active at the time, so many different releases. And it was rotten. I mean, really, really bad. It was, yes. if someone had, had 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 been asked the question, is this a good playable game? The answer, the answer has to be no. But mm. it was so much money in, it was rotten, and it was in every platform. And there's not many games that stink that bad across that many platforms with that much money going in. Mm. So, yeah, Rise of the Robots is, is a pretty special one. Mm-hmm. Yep. If we're going to mention the CD32, I think I have to say, how about we just say 80% of the CDTV collection (laughs) because the prices on all of them has gone sky high and they're they're terrible. Apart from Zenon 2. I'll come back on that one. That's that's spot on. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I I do really like a story like this because it it kind of shines a spotlight on potential absurdity. You know, at the end of the day, we're all in this hobby for our own reasons, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And what is seen as expensive, at the end of the day, is always relative. Bad games aside, if something is genuinely rare, then supply and demand kicks in, including copies of ET that have been buried in dirt. Uh, but, But a terrible game will always be a terrible game, no matter how rare it is. If some people want to burn $10,000 on a box on the shelf that contains a turd of a game that they'll never want to play, I'm sure they have good reasons. I just have no idea what those reasons could be. So it's time now for our question of the week. And the question from, it was actually just before Christmas, was quite a simple one. If Santa could bring you anything retro-related this Christmas, what would it be and why? So let's jump in. I'll do the first one, um, which is from... How do you pronounce that? Meow coat. I'm going to go with that. Uh, enjoy your break, guys. Well deserved. Thank you for the show. It's intangible, but social media before it starts tracking you, reading your messages. Am I reading the right? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, it's intangible. Sorry, it's because I misread one of the keywords. It's intangible, but social media before Chris it started tracking you. I do get stuck on the big words. Social media before it started tracking you. This is a fantastic gift. Um, uh, before it started tracking you, reading your messages and advertising to you. In general, computers before they started telling you what to do and when as opposed to being a tool for enjoying and improving life. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and that, that I, I, I think I touch on this a lot. I find I even touched on it earlier on in the, in the show when I talked about magazines. When you're reading a magazine article, it's like social these days when you go to a website, it's like social media now. How can we get some more money out of you? Whereas reading a magazine article or an old game or social media back in the day, it's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Good good answer. So true. Mark, do you want to read the second one by Pajaco? Okay, Pajaco says copies of O oh Mummy for the Tatung Einstein MSX and Sega Mega Drive. No, no, that's not how you pronounce Sega. Sega. He's he's making a <laughs> For for a few episodes, I should explain this. I've been saying okay. Sega intentionally wrong just to just to wind people up a bit. <laughs> so he says he wants the copies of Oh Mummy for the Titan Einstein MSX and Sega Mega Drive. And he jokingly <laughs> said he was going to collect all of the various versions of Oh Mummy because he thought there was only two. And one rabbit hole later, and he discovered that there are actually more, very many more, and he's made it his quest to get them all. It's amazing, actually, because I was playing Oh Mummy um, late last night on this uh, Tatton Einstein 
behind me. Actually. Is that right? Yeah, literally. Nice. Is it is it as good? Is it as good yes, as the, the CPC version of Oh Mummy? It is is simple. I mean, it's a really simple mm, game, mm. and it looks terrible, but it's actually it's, it's a bit of fun. It's well, it's, it's a, a well made basic game. Yeah, yeah, it's a great game, and I enjoyed it. I also played Chucky Egg, so I wasn't really going for the uh, Tatung Einstein um, exclusives there, but uh, yeah, it's a good game. And whilst whilst we're here, I've just got to say that I'm going to ruin everybody now because someone did it for me. Um, when you think of the name Tatung, you have to imagine it's said the same way that the Netflix logo appears on the screen. Tatung. 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 Yeah, that's it. That's it. Forever now. Yeah, you have to sing it. Can you have to kind of sing it? Or can you just say the tongue? There's kind of a bit of a... Yeah, Harmonies. Harmonies. Three, two, one. Tatung. Tatung. Yeah, we've gone to a new level. <laughs> Dave, shall we move on to the third? <laughs> Poor Dave's face. Quickly, please. <laughs> the next one is from Rickalicious D, and he says the Sega Saturn, and he spelt it with two E's. Nice. Um, it's one of these machines that emulation just isn't 100% there for yet. I've got an True. itch to play. I've got an itch for one to play all the stuff I've missed on that format. Um, I don't know the the Saturn at all, um, but I do know that that's the case. I don't know. I can't remember if it's going to come to Mister or not. I can't remember if someone said whether that's is it too much for Mister or not. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I can't um, apparently, yeah. Neil Neil said um, that the uh, the core in Mister it's slightly it's slightly um, a little bit too rich for the uh, the Mister to run, but that's not saying that it won't be. The core won't be optimized in the future, but there's always hope. There's always hope of smarter yeah. people it, than us three doing something. It'll amazing. come. <laughs> it'll come. I mean, smart and smarter than us three isn't much of a high bar, but it'll come in the future. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Mister Project. There'll there'll be a, a Mister version two that has mm. more there. I, I don't think it's the. I don't think it's the 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 shortage of FPGA logic that will, that will stop things being mm. developed. I think once you go much beyond the Saturn, you get to the point where it's maybe yeah. not, it's maybe too difficult to do, so it maybe won't happen. You get to things also, like I think maybe the, the Xbox and PlayStation 2 and so on, they're, they're, mm. maybe that's too much to ever expect. I don't, I don't know. Also, I yeah. think um, at that point, the nostalgia sort of drops off slightly because you start to get games that are sort of very generic and you start to get into that part of uh, gaming history where everything's kind of, PC hardware yeah. in a different mm. shape. You know? That's true. Um, yeah. 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 There's no draw to any one particular system at that point. Yeah. Um, so uh, do take a look at the subreddit because there's some quite good answers in there as well. You know, quite a simple question, but things like Voodoo One in a particular system um, and all of that kind of thing. Um, so do take a scroll through. Just very quickly, guys, before we get on to the new question, did did Santa bring you anything retro related or anything that you would have want to have? No. Not for um, me, no. Um, I've bought everything I want. I, I, I have absolutely no self control. Uh, so if I if I if I want it, I'll buy it. I finally got, and I was so surprised because you know what it's like when you're in a hobby like this. It's hard. You're hard to buy for. You fall into that yeah. bracket of hard to buy for. And I was so pleased that one of my Christmas gifts from the family. Who was it from? Was it actually from my son Luke or from my wife? I can't remember. Damn it. I can't remember who it was that gave it to me. But Good it's, thing the, we don't it's watch. the Commodore Amiga a Visual Compendium. I've wanted this 
for so long. Um, so whoever it was that gave it to me, I'm very grateful, even though I've forgotten. Was it Luke or was it Nikki? Can't remember. But anyway, wanted that for ages. So very pleased to have that. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, pretty much like Dave um, and yourself, um, you're very difficult to buy for because nobody really knows what the hell you're talking about. Let's Absolutely. be honest. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, my wife um, went and got me a, a new branded polo shirt and hoodie, oh, yeah. which oh, is nice. very nice. But I was pretty spelling mistake and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know what you're getting at. There's no spelling mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was I was pretty surprised because um, far bit for me to call my wife a luddite, but she actually went off and I don't know if this will come out on the camera, but um, went and put a QR code on the. Oh, beautiful! Very clever. Yeah. Do people yeah. follow you around in the shops with their phone at your shoulder blade? There. Yeah, usually because I'm shoplifting, so uh, <laughs> they want to see they, they, they want to see the man with the ponytail. How many cans of Aldi salmon he can get in his underpants? <laughs> now, before we set before we set the next question, where can people find? If let's just say hypothetically they've mm. listened to you and they actually want to hear more from you, <laughs> hypothetically, where would they yeah. go to, to hear more from Mark Fitzy stuff? Right. First thing they'll need to do is contact their carer um, because <laughs> they'll need to be taken to the secure computer room at the end of the uh, at the end of the ward. Um, now, if they come to um, youtube.com forward slash Mark Fitzy's stuff, they will find an array of scintillating wares. And nice. some not so scintillating, but there you go. Yeah, I I I love Mark's channel. I've been a yeah. fan for a long time. He um he he thoroughly explains what he's doing, mm. and edits really tightly without it being too long. It's always entertaining, and the gummy crew are always there to help. I'm looking <laughs> yeah. forward to hear more about the Einstein. Yeah, that's coming next, actually. Nice. Cool. Well, this week's question of the week, so do jump on the subreddit uh, to answer it, is quite a simple one. What is your favourite bad game and why? And it doesn't have to be expensive because I think that's a bit too restrictive, but just mm. bad, um, you know, but for some reason you enjoy it or you enjoy owning it. Let us know in the subreddit. Need to know why, though, not just yeah. a bad game. Don't, don't, don't just list bad games. Yeah. Needs to be a bad game, and you need to like it, and you need to be able to tell us why. Yeah, definitely. What's your favourite bad game and why? Absolutely. Cool. Thanks for joining us, especially yourself, Mark. Good Thank to see you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Good to see you again after the break, Dave. That was good. All right. Yeah. Bye. See you next week. See you back next week. Bye bye. Jazz hands, everybody. Golf clap. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC The Cave, Chris from 005 Agema, and Dave. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.